Hello. Welcome to the Myths and History of Ancient Greece, Chapter 13, Bullman and Birdman. Deep within the labyrinth, the Minotaur gazed down at Theseus, and all the beast saw was another nice dinner. The light was dim, but Theseus could see what he needed to see. The Minotaur snorted and snarled, and ran towards the unarmed young man. As the creature, still snorting and snarling, came at him, Theseus stepped aside and hit it as hard as he could above the heart. The Minotaur bellowed more fiercely than ever and came at him again. Again Theseus punched the beast as hard as he could above the heart. Again he stepped aside as he hit. Again and again and again this happened, and slowly, very slowly, the Minotaur began to weaken. Again and again and again it charged, and again and again, each time Theseus did the same thing. Finally the creature seemed to lose its strength, enough for Theseus to make one last attack. He seized it by the thorns and bent its mighty head back. There was a horrible crack as the Minotaur's neck broke. The bullman was dead. Theseus and the rest of the Minotaur food followed the string and made their way out of the labyrinth. When he emerged, covered in Minotaur blood, he was given a big hug by Ariadne. They all crept towards the Athenian ship and boarded it silently. Then, just as silently, the ship was rowed away. Just to make sure the Cretans didn't follow, Theseus and his friends had made holes in the hulls of their ships. Now, as we know, in Greek myths, travels back home after a great victory are always dead easy. Remember Perseus? He went straight home after killing Medusa. The Argonauts had a straightforward trip back with the Golden Fleece. Oh, no, that's not true, is it? Journeys home were always difficult, and bad things always happened. It was no different for Theseus. The ships docked on the island of Dia, now known as Naxos. Unfortunately for Theseus, somebody was already there. Yes, somebody was in the middle of a big party with his friends, the satyrs and the mad maenads. Who was it? Yes, of course, Dionysus was on Naxos. This may have been okay. Theseus could simply have been forced into having a good time for a few days, but this was not to be. As soon as the Olympians saw Ariadne, he fell in love with her. While Theseus was asleep, Dionysus made him have a dream in which he was told to leave Ariadne on Dia or else. Dionysus, as we know, dished out pretty nasty punishments to those who didn't do what he wanted, and so Theseus left Ariadne asleep on Dia and sailed away. Ariadne woke up and saw that Theseus was gone. The poor girl was heartbroken. Theseus had promised to marry her. She had prayed for him and deserted her mother and father and her home for him. Now he had gone. Ariadne cursed the hero and called upon the whole universe to help her get revenge. Dionysus, of course, took his opportunity to come and rescue her. He married Ariadne, placing the crown of Thetis made by Hephaestus on her head. He used his magic, and soon she was glad to be his wife. The couple had many children. The Olympian placed the crown of Thetis in the skies to commemorate his marriage, where it became the constellation Corona Borealis. Theseus and his ship landed on the island of Delos, where he made a sacrifice to Apollo. A great set of games were held in his honour. Then the ship sailed away from Delos on the last leg of the journey home. Before too long, the great city of Athens came into view, and Theseus was nearly home, safe and happy. But only nearly. Ariadne had cursed him, and the curse took effect. Theseus had forgotten that his father, Aegis, 
had asked him to hoist white sails if he was still alive. When the king, who spent most of his time looking out to sea, saw his son's ship, he wailed miserably. The ship's sails were black. This meant that Theseus was dead. Aegis was so overcome with grief that he leapt into the sea to his death. The sea has been called the Aegean Sea ever since. King Minos was not a happy man when he found that Theseus had escaped. He was utterly furious with Theseus. He was utterly madly furious with his daughter Ariadne for helping the hero. But he was utterly madly blindly furious with Daedalus for telling the pair what they needed to do. With rage in his heart, he strode out to find the clever inventor, bent on revenge. Daedalus had realised he was going to be in big trouble and was preparing his escape. He was determined that he and his son Icarus would escape and he went to see many ship owners to ask them for help. Nobody would take him. Nobody wanted to feel the wrath of Minos. Daedalus was a very clever man though and he devised a plan. He began to make wings from feathers glued together with wax. Soon they were ready and father and son prepared to fly away from Crete. Don't fly too near the heavens or too near the earth, Daedalus said to his son. Then the sun will not scorch you and the sea spray will not drag you down. The two set off. The wings worked perfectly and soon Daedalus and Icarus were soaring like birds. Daedalus kept to the height he thought sensible but Icarus got carried away. He loved the feeling of flying so much that he soared high and he swooped low. Higher and higher he soared until he got too close to the sun. Before he had any chance to save himself, Icarus saw the wax, which was holding his wings together, start to melt. The feathers fluttered away, and Icarus was helpless. Wings gone, the poor boy plummeted towards the sea, calling out for his father as he fell. Nothing could be done to save him, and he drowned in the water. The sea he fell into is called the Icarian Sea, after the failed birdman. Sadly and wearily, Daedalus flew on and arrived on the island of Sicily. He made his home on the island, thinking that he was safe from Minos. He was not. Minos set out to track down the inventor and used his cunning to do so. Wherever he went, he set a challenge. He had with him a large conch shell with a tiny hole in the top. Minos declared that if any man could pass the thread through the tiny hole, then he would receive great rewards. Nobody ever succeeded until Minos arrived on Sicily. The king of Crete landed on the island and set his usual challenge. Cocolos, the king of Sicily, took the shell from Minos and promised he would take up the challenge and he would bring the shell back in the morning. When he brought the shell back, the thread would be through the hole. Sure enough, the next morning, Cocolos returned with the shell and, sure enough, the thread was there, passing through the hole. Minos laughed and demanded that Cocolos hand Daedalus over. He knew that only Daedalus was clever enough to work out how to pass the thread through the hole. And how did the clever inventor do it? Well, you'll have to wait. I'll tell you at the end of the chapter. Cocolos admitted that Daedalus was there on Sicily. I will give him up to you tomorrow, he said to Minos, but tonight come and feast with us. That night in the kingdom of Sicily there was a great feast. Afterwards Minos very full and happy he was going to get his revenge, settled down to have a bath. Little did he know that Daedalus had constructed a system of pipes leading directly to the bath in Minos's room. One of the daughters of Cocolos, who had become very fond of the inventor, 
poured boiling water into one end of the pipe. It gushed through very rapidly and arrived at the other end of the pipe and then erupted into Minos's bath, just as he was having a relaxing soap. He was scalded to death. Daedalus lived a long life and built many more brilliant inventions, safe now that Minos was dead. Minos, although blinded by feelings of revenge, had been a wise and respected king. He had made Crete one of the most important kingdoms of Greece. The Cretan navy was the best in the region and was feared by all the other local kingdoms. Minos descended into the realm of Hades, where he joined his brother, Radamanthus, as one of the three judges who decided to which part of the underworld the shades should be sent. Back in Athens, Theseus succeeded his father and was crowned king. After having executed virtually everyone who could have a claim to the throne, Theseus began to rule very wisely. He was already a great hero, and now he became a great king. He made peace with Crete and married Phaedra, one of Minos's other daughters. He brought all of his people in the whole region of Attica together and stopped their constant internal fighting. He continued the worship of Athena. He welcomed important and great people from other areas to his kingdom and made them citizens. He minted the first coins in Attica. He was a truly great ruler. So at last we have a hero whose story ends happily. Phew! Except, of course, that it doesn't. Bellerophon was brought down by his own arrogance. Meliagros was brought down by his stepmother's wish for revenge. Jason was brought down by being unpleasant to his wife. Theseus's problems were caused by an unsuitable best mate. Perithoos was the king of the Lapiths of northern Thessaly. He was a mischievous chap, forever playing tricks on people. He heard about the great Theseus and decided he'd steal some cattle from Attica just to see what Theseus would do. Theseus learned about the theft and went off in pursuit of the thief. He caught up with Perithoos and drew his sword, about to kill the Lapith king. Perithoos, though, wasn't afraid, and in fact grinned at Theseus. Theseus forgot he was angry, and the two became great friends. The friendship was soon put to the test. The Lapiths had long been enemies of the centaurs, and the conflict came to a head at Perithoos's wedding. He invited the centaurs, thinking that making peace with them was a good idea. Unfortunately, the centaurs had never had wine before, and they all became very drunk. One of them tried to carry off the bride, Hippodamia, and all hell broke loose. There was a terrible battle, which was eventually won by the Lapiths, with a lot of help from Theseus. Perithoos was very grateful, and the friendship became even stronger. Soon after this, Theseus started to do bad things. He abducted the queen of the Amazons, Antiope, and carried her off back to Athens where they had a son, Hippolytos. The two friends then battled against the Amazons who had laid siege to Athens and beat them. Theseus killed all of the remaining members of his father's family and was banished from Athens for a year as a punishment. Later, Theseus cursed his own son after Phaedra fell in love with the boy. He called upon Poseidon to kill Hippolytos. The sea god sent a giant bull to frighten Hippolytus's horses. The young man was thrown from his chariot and died. Phaedra killed herself. It was all getting very bad for Theseus. It got worse. Perithoos's wife died at about the same time as Phaedra, so the two friends decided they needed to find new wives. This should have been fine. There were many powerful and beautiful women who would gladly have married these two important kings. There should have been no trouble at all. Theseus and Perithoos, though, decided that ordinary women were not good enough for them and they were going to aim a little bit higher. 
they each decided they would only settle for a daughter of Zeus. The two men drew lots or played dice, nobody is too sure which. Either way, Theseus won and he chose first. The king of Attica decided he wanted the most beautiful of the daughters of Zeus. He chose Helen of Sparta, the sister, uh, sister of Castor and Polydeuces. The friends swore an oath that Theseus would help Perithoros when his turn came, no matter who he chose. Helen was unlikely to willingly agree to marry Theseus, so he and Perithoros made up their minds to take her by force. They led an army across Greece until they came to Sparta. Helen was offering a sacrifice to Artemis at her temple in the city. Quietly going about her business, she was completely unprepared for the sight of Theseus and Perithoros charging towards her on swift horses. They grabbed the poor girl and carried her off to Athens. When they got there, though, Theseus realised that Helen was a bit too young to get married, so he sent her off to a small village in Attica and ordered his mother to look after her. Helen grew up and within a few years was old enough to get married. Theseus was delighted, but Perithoos reminded him of the oath. It was his turn. He wanted to find a daughter of Zeus. Theseus and Perithoos went to the Oracle of Zeus, where they asked what they should do next. The king of the gods replied laughingly, Why not visit the underworld and demand Persephone, wife of Hades, as a bride for Perithoos? She is the noblest of my daughters. Theseus realised it was a joke, and prepared to go home. Perithoos, though, had other ideas. He demanded that Theseus stick to his oath. He had sworn that he would help his friend, no matter who he chose, and Perithoos was choosing Persephone. Theseus was horrified, but an oath is an oath. Theseus and Perithoos knew of a secret entrance to the underworld, and they made their way towards it. Theseus tried to persuade his friend not to go through with such a mind-numbingly stupid quest. But Perithoos was determined. Slowly they made their way down. They met no resistance and were soon knocking on the gates of Hades' palace. The king of the underworld welcomed them in and asked them what they were doing there. It was highly unusual for people who were not dead to find themselves in the place of the shades. Amazingly, Perithoos told Hades exactly why they were there. Hades smiled kindly and invited the men to take a seat. They sat down on a comfortable sofa and immediately wished they hadn't. As soon as they sat down on the seat, they became part of it. It was impossible to tell where Sofa ended and man started. Theseus and Perithoos were completely stuck. There was no escape. Coiled serpents hissed at them, and they were whipped by the Furies. Hades shook his head, walked away, and left them to it, baffled by the stupidity of men. The fall of Theseus was complete. Next week, we will hear some of the myths of the city of Thebes. Until then, have a great week, and I'll speak to you next time. Oh, hold on a minute. I promised I'd tell you how Daedalus passed the thread through the tiny hole in the conch shell. Well, this is how he did it. He carefully tied the thread to the back leg of an ant. The ant crawled through the inside of the spiral shell and through the tiny hole. Daedalus caught hold of the ant once it was through the hole and pulled the thread through after it clever man. Speak to you next time.